I would like to welcome Professor Stephen Nichols from the Monash Cardiovascular Research Center, Monash University, Melbourne, Australia. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation. It's nice to be here. You are a well-known expert in the field of lipidology, and uh, we are just uh, past this current European Society of Cardiology 2023 annual congress. And I would like to ask you to summarize the state of uh, art lipid lowering therapy. At first, at the, if we step back, the first question is always that whom to treat? Which are the patients who you think uh, can benefit uh, from lipid lowering? Well, I think, first of all, we know that LDL cholesterol plays a really important role in the causality of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. And the data is very clear now. The question is, not only are there benefits in terms of lowering LDL cholesterol, but, but who really do we need to target? And when we talk about high-risk patients, it actually is a lot of patients I see in my clinic. It's not just patients who have had a previous event patients have had previous revascularization, they're very high risk. And of course, I'm going to treat them very aggressively. But it's also high risk patients who have yet to have an event. And when I think of who those people are, they're people who have got diabetes. They are people who have um, high risk scores and a score greater than 10% certainly would be a high score. Um, people who therefore have lots of risk factors. So I want to look at the totality of risk. And then I look at patients who have genetic forms of dyslipidemia. So familial hypercholesterolemia or FH is really common. We know that one in 200 people in every country of the world um, will have FH. Uh, we know that they're at a high risk of having a cardiovascular event in the near future. And, and so they're, again, another group that I would look to treat early and to treat intensively. And how aggressively, how intensively should we treat these patients? So one of the really good things about the uh, ES, EAS, ESC guidelines, which have been updated only in the last few years, is the way that they match the level of risk that we think a patient has with the level of LDL cholesterol that we should be aiming for. The higher the risk, the lower the target. And, and in fact, you know, we've taken this view in for, for some time now that high-risk patients should get an LDL cholesterol below 1.8 millimoles per litre. In fact, what I really like about the European guidelines is that they turn around and said, hang on a second, there are high-risk patients where that may still be too high. In fact, they suggested we should be getting below 1.4. So very high risk patients, I try to get my patients to very low LDL cholesterol levels. And that can be a challenge. And we know that if you go and look at large cohort studies, that more than 50% of our patients are still above the target. And every time we lower that goal, we have a risk that we're going to leave more and more people behind, which means that we have to think harder about what is our approach to lipid lowering going to be. And what I've, in my practice, have found that I'm using much more combination therapy, for example, because more people are going to require more than one agent to get their LDL cholesterol to the target I want them to be at. Sometimes we hear um, anecdotal worries uh, that too low cholesterol levels are can be harmful. What, what is the... Uh 
the, the current view of science on this question? You know, we've, we've been grappling with this kind of potential criticism of is there too low an LDL cholesterol for 30 years? And remembering in the late 90s, people thought that having an LDL below three may be too low. Um, well, here we are consistently getting people below one. And in fact, we have the capacity with therapies to go even much lower than that. And what's been really reassuring in clinical trials has been that um, there are no adverse safety signals at very low LDL cholesterol levels. I have patients on combination therapy with LDL cholesterol levels below 0.5 millimoles per litre. And then GPs often will write to me and say, should we back off on therapy? And I say, no, I want the patients to be down at that lower level. It's going to be good for their cardiovascular risk. And there's no evidence that there's a safety signal at very low levels of LDL cholesterol. And what are these modern treatment options, what we use every day uh, in the clinic and what's their mode of action and how they edit together? Well, you know, obviously our, our approach to lipid lowering starts with diet and exercise. It's important, but, but for many of our patients, it's simply not going to be enough. We've been fortunate for a generation that statins have been extraordinarily effective therapies. Um, they not only lower LDL cholesterol, but they lower cardiovascular risk in large clinical outcome trials. And they're the cornerstone of pharmacological therapy. Um, not all patients can tolerate a statin. Not all patients can tolerate the doses of statins we'd like to use. And we know that many patients may not get to target even if they do tolerate a statin. So that tells me that we need other therapies. Um, we're very fortunate that we've got a number of oral therapies. We've got ezetimibe, a cholesterol absorption inhibitor. We've got a new agent called bempedoic acid, lowers LDL cholesterol in the liver, doesn't get the muscle aches and pains that you get with a statin. Both of those agents have been shown to reduce cardiovascular risk on top of statin therapy. So that's really good. And then for smaller number of patients, you know, um, we have the ability to use PCSK9 inhibitors. And, and that's another class of therapy which we can use to effectively lower LDL cholesterol, ideally on top of a statin. But in patients who may not be able to tolerate a statin, um, we can use it there as well. And, and the really good news is that there are other classes of therapies that are currently being evaluated in clinical trials. So I think about lipid lowering agents as tools in a toolbox. And what so, we've seen in recent years is that our toolbox is becoming fuller. And, and if you look deeper into the role, where do you see the role of statins, as if deny bambatoic acid or even phenofibrates in the treatment? And how do you use them uh, together in combination? You mentioned it already, some examples. I think lipid lowering from a drug perspective starts with statins. Uh, try to maximize the dose that a patient will tolerate. If a patient is not at goal, um, then I would look to add uh, an additional agent, whether it's azetamide, uh, bempedoic acid or a PCSK9 inhibitor. Um, for patients who start at very high LDL cholesterol levels, I am increasingly starting with combination therapy. If I have a patient with an LDL cholesterol of four millimoles per liter, and I need to get them to 1.4, statin alone isn't going to get there. At best, I'm going to halve LDL cholesterol, and that's going to be two. That patient's still going to be too high. So more and often, I am starting to use combination of statin and azetamibe in particular. 
uh, as, as early as possible so that I can then start to add other therapies more quickly in, in patients moving forward. How much fixed combinations help you to improve, for example, adherence? I think adherence is a really important issue. There's, there's what we ask our patients to do in the first place. And then there's the contract we're entering into with a patient to get them to adhere with therapy in the long term. We know that 50% of patients who are prescribed a statin will stop taking that statin within a year and a half. Uh, so we need to find better approaches to working with our patients so that they will continue to take therapies in the long term. These are chronic diseases. And so we need chronic th therapy solutions to have more effective reductions in risk. Um, I think combination therapy, particularly when it's a fixed dose combination, can be very effective in improving adherence. We've seen that occur in diabetes. We've seen that occur in the management of hypertension. And there's no reason why it wouldn't play out in the patient with dyslipidemia as well. Conclusion, what's your take-home message to our audience, to our colleagues? Take-home message is LDL cholesterol is still a really important risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Uh, we have the tools to be able to effectively lower LDL cholesterol in the majority, if not all, of our patients. I'm pretty confident over the next few years that we will have the ability to lower LDL cholesterol by more than 50% in every one of our patients because we will have a number of options in the clinic. And so we'll be able to tailor the right therapy to the right patient. But high-risk patients, treat them intensively. Don't worry about achieving too low an LDL cholesterol and thinking about the use of combination therapy early is the best approach to targeting dyslipidemia as an important approach to the prevention of cardiovascular disease. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you.